Welcome to Episode 6, Part 1 of the Global Idaho Podcast, which discusses current issues affecting southeastern Idaho and places them in a global context. I'm Kyler Miller. And I'm Heather Thompson. In Season 1 of Global Idaho, we're focusing on immigration reform and the DACA program. During each episode, we will interview DACA students, experts, and other community members as a way to study DREAMers in southeast Idaho. In order to understand DACA and its political, social, and economic significance, as well as increase awareness about immigration and immigration reform in our community. And throughout this episode, we will speak with two community members about what it means to become a DACA ally and support for DACA recipients within our local community. Our editor, Ian Nielsen, interviewed Juanita Gonzalez, who was born and raised in Blackfoot, Idaho, and knows firsthand what it's like to be a first-generation student. She was part of the College Assistant Migrant Program at Boise State University. Juanita knows the importance of having a counselor to guide students with their educational and personal goals. She has been with TRIO since August 2016. She enjoys meeting and assisting TRIO students. She received her bachelor's degree in bilingual and elementary education and Spanish from Boise State University in 1999 and received her Master of Arts in Latin American Studies from the University of Texas at Austin in 2015. So, what does it mean to be an ally of DACA? Um, so, what it means to be an ally of DACA is basically you are supporting DACA students. Um, you may go to any of the rallies. You may also like support them just by being there while they're planning any of their activities. Um, you may be somebody that uh, DACA students feel comfortable going to and asking for information about anything. Um, you basically are just... For me, it's been more also like just keeping them informed of any opportunity scholarships, things that I've become aware of for DACA students. And what is it that you do as an ally? I've been able to do a couple of things. Um, when I first got here to Idaho, I'm, I came from Texas. In Texas, there seemed to be a lot of um, information, mobility. Um, at the time, there were a lot of students that were undocumented and unafraid. They were very, you know, very uh, basically in the movement and really just doing a lot. And there was nothing here. And so what I did, what I decided to do as an ally was I decided to create what's called Idaho DACA Students uh, Facebook page because I felt like there was no information being sent out to students from Idaho. And so that's one of the things that I do as an ally. And why are you an ally? So I originally became very interested when I worked at the University of Texas at Austin. Um, when I was there, I worked with an organization of undocumented students, and I would see a lot of the things that they would do. They would do Know Your Rights um, meetings, making sure that the community would um, at least know their rights and feel safer, especially with a lot of anti-immigrant um, type of things that were coming up. And so uh, I would see really like the heart that these students had and just the desire that they had to become somebody. Um, they, like one of the main people that I think about a lot is he, you know, he maintained a 4.0 GPA just to make sure that he would have his tuition paid for when he went to college because he knew that. And so, um, you know, he's gone on to do really a lot of great things. And that's why I saw a lot of these students these were, you know, um, some of them were the dreamers, and they were pre-DACA, and I was there when we actually 
got the information from President Barack Obama about DACA. Like, I was there with them receiving it. So for me, it's very important. It's very dear to my heart because I've established relationships with people from that community. Is there support for DACA on campus? So at this point, I didn't know just recently that the international office actually does help them with certain paperwork, um, that they are there. If they need anything, they can definitely go to the international office. What exactly does DACA Idaho do? Basically, what we do is, uh, I can tell you, like, as far as Idaho DACA students, the Facebook page, it just keeps very active. We do get contacts from bigger organizations like United We Dream. Sometimes they're asking us for students, uh, students that want to share their story. Uh, sometimes we'll get messages from news stations, things like that. And sometimes we're able to provide names to them or follow up to them if they want, you know, obviously always protecting the students and their identities. But if they are, you know, students that we know are vocal and they want to go, they want, they want to participate in things, then we forward that on. How many members are there and how do you become a member? We're not really a very specific organization. There's two of us that um, co-manage, like the Idaho DACA Students Facebook page. She covers the Boise, Caldwell, Nampa area, and I cover like what would be like the Southeast area. And so what we do is we will have like within our contacts, like educators, um, other allies, and we will just disseminate information wherever we, we feel that it's appropriate. How long has this organization existed, and does it exist in just ISU? So, we don't have an organization per se. There are students that I'm aware of that um, care about DACA or that have DACA status. Um, but I can tell you, like, if there needs to be mobility or anything, like, um, there has been, um, what I can see, some help from organizations on campus that want to support DACA students and let them know that, you know, we care about them. Uh, we did uh, something like a little rally um, last, last semester and that was very successful. We would like to thank Juanita for sitting down and speaking to us about what it means to be a DACA ally and where to find DACA support, as well as her work with the group DACA Idaho. Heather, we recently had the opportunity to uh, sit down with Dr. Carmen Febles, who is a professor of Spanish in the Global Studies and Languages Department at Idaho State University. And she spoke to us about the support systems and that our community has for DACA students, as well as how to become a DACA ally and what that entails. Do you know if there's a process for becoming a DACA ally? A formalized process for becoming a DACA ally? Um, honestly, not to my knowledge. Doesn't mean there's not one, but I don't know. I know, for instance, I marched in the protests that happened in the fall. Um, I know of some, I know that there are legal resources that I could send people to. I know about the consulate, um, but it is, if there is a formal process, I'm unaware of it. So for someone to become an, uh, a DACA ally, they just say they want to be one, and they go and do the sort of things like the protesting or the advocate work in the community? Is that kind of how it works? I don't know that DACA is such a kind of new crisis. And again, I'm not saying that there's not a system, uh, but it's it's unfamiliar to me. And for instance, if you were going to be an LB an LGBT ally, then you go to trainings and you get the little rainbow sticker on you and you put it on your door and then it indicates to students that you're a safe person to talk to. Um, I don't know if the same thing is formally in place around here for DACA. 
maybe it is, but I'm not aware of it. My attitude about being a DACA ally, honestly, as a Spanish professor um, who works a lot with students, like I said, from varying migratory backgrounds, is my attitude about it is is simply to have an open door and to make it clear to students that they can talk to me about whatever. And to not necessarily ask questions that are going to make them feel outed, right? So for instance, my Hispanic students, my Latino students, I sometimes they offer me information about their migratory status. I never ask them. I don't say, are you a DACA student? I don't say, were your parents here? Did they come legally or illegally? You know, And the conversations that we have around that, uh, I leave, I have as necessary. So if, for instance, oftentimes it's helpful to know how long a student's been speaking Spanish. If they tell me they've been speaking Spanish since birth, sometimes they'll offer information about, well, I lived in Mexico for this much time. How they got here, you know, oftentimes that comes up in conversation. Part of being an ally to me is not to ask and then to help students um, find the resources if, whether it's language resources, um, sometimes it's financial resources in order to pay for school, uh, sometimes a student will come to you in the middle of what is a crisis situation and need to know, for instance, my uncle is being deported, you know, what, who is there something that can do or someone you can talk to. My knowledge is limited, but in that case, I jump in and I try to help point them to some resources, right? Um, that, that's my concept of ally. But whether there's a formalized process for becoming an ally and getting a sticker on your door around here, I honestly don't know. Should there be a formalized process in your opinion? Like you said with the LGBT. There's, you know, you go to the training for DACA. I mean, that's an important issue um, within our community, within the United States right now. Should there be a process that goes along with that? What I think is that the problem with DACA is that not all people who are under the rubric DACA are at the university. People who are at the university already have the means somehow to arrive at the university, the financial means, the connections, the to arrive here. And so you actually are dealing within the DACA rubric of a sort of a privileged group of DACA people, right, who are able to get access to university and oftentimes have some backing, some, some connection to resources that can help them. And when they're here, institutionally, it is our job as an institution from the advising standpoint, from the administrative standpoint, from the professorial standpoint, to then advocate for those people as students. And for me, to help them along linguistically and academically and to point them to directions that they can thrive. In Spanish, it's interesting because oftentimes students who, we get students who are non-Spanish speakers who want to learn the language. Then we get students who are heritage speakers of Spanish who come to us because it's their strength. And maybe they don't know what else academically is their strength, but Spanish is a means to an end, right? If I can get a Spanish degree, maybe I find something else that's interesting to me, and maybe I can get a sociology degree, and maybe I can get a nursing degree, and maybe I can get a whatever degree. Uh, but Spanish is a way for me to guarantee myself success where I might not be successful other places. And one of the and one of the advocacies that we do is to make that possible and then We've developed the Spanish for Health Professions program in part to help pipeline students into successful into healthcare careers, but also to give them a way to still be successful if the healthcare career doesn't work out, right? And then we train them as interpreters and we give them other means. Um, but oftentimes those students come with very good conversational Spanish and, for instance, deficient uh, written skills and, and reading skills. And what we can provide to them is to professionalize their Spanish, to make them 
literate and able to write coherently in Spanish so that it is a professional skill for them regardless of what they end up doing, right? And so that's, um, we don't sell our program that way, but it is a kind of advocacy that it's something that we do that we're aware of in our class design and the kinds of classes that we offer and, and when working with certain students that a student needs this in order to make this skill work for them as opposed to against them. And the real crisis is that the United States has no clear policy regarding immigration and that DACA is a band-aid um, and we're seeing the results of that band-aid. Something was instituted at the executive level uh, and now it's being uninstituted at the executive level and held up by the... So establishing an advocacy process for something that tomorrow might not exist seems like maybe a, a really micro attempt at fixing a really macro problem. By the time we've made people DACA allies, DACA won't be a thing anymore and we'll be talking about what the next policy is. Ultimately, my answer to that is going to be that this country needs comprehensive immigration reform and a clear policy of what immigration... And until that happens, um, being an ally means not being an enemy, being an ally means not contributing to victimizing people and, you know, and, and helping people to, to access the resources that are available. Allies, real day-to-day -day allies for, for any sort of migratory situation, DACA students included, are at the ground level and I have to learn about them, right? They weren't just here for me. I, they're not top down. So I'm not here handing resources to DACA students or to DACA people or to Latinos. And uh, as much as I'm learning about the network of resources, part of being a DACA ally is knowing who to go to. So we kind of touched on this with like the DACA allies and everything, but is there a support system for DACA students here on campus? There are safe spaces for DACA students, I know. Um, I know that the administration has come out saying that they um, they put out when the when the whole DACA deportation thing started, the, the administration came out and said, support our DACA students. Here are the places that you can go in order to find out administratively, in order to show off your paperwork, that kind of thing. Um, the LTA, the Latina Sorority, and the LTP, the Latino Fraternity, uh, and the HALO group are the ones who put on the march, for instance, right? In the spring, we have the Chavez Day. Um, there's the peace group, right? And so there are safe spaces for these students. Is there a network on campus? That would be harder to articulate for me. And like I said, when I need help with a student of that sort, I tend to go to, to the community resources that I'm aware of and the community resources that I know that are sometimes embedded, like Sonia Martinez in the university as well, right? But I tend to go to those people, like I said, to Carmen Lucero, to the people that I know that are community activists around here and utilize them. We would like to thank Dr. Febles for her insights on what it means to become a DACA ally, as well as how we can support DACA students and all others in the immigrant community. These individuals add a diversity to our community and help us understand why DACA is so important. In this episode, we have talked about what support is available to DACA students, as well as what it means to be a DACA ally. Join us in two weeks, where we will be releasing part two of this episode, which continues the discussion on support for DACA recipients, and where we will be interviewing Elizabeth Almanza. Do you have a perspective on DACA you'd like to share? Email us at histdept at isu.edu. We'd like to thank all those associated with the Global Idaho podcast, specifically our editor, Ian Nielsen, our producer, Les Miller, and our professor, Dr. Colde Peralta. Global Idaho is sponsored by the History Department at Idaho State University. 
Our cover art was designed by Kelly Kamek, and our banner photo is by Fabian Fouth. The music you heard on today's show is When the Sky Turns Blue by Bo Crew. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcasts on SoundCloud.com by searching for the Global Idaho Podcast. They can also now be found on iTunes. Thanks for listening.